Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. It's me, your host, Preston Shuttlesworth, with you today, or tonight, actually. I'm recording this uh, late at night, and so if I'm quieter than usual, that may be a reason, but probably not. I'll probably get loud even though it's late. But uh, I want to welcome you to another episode. I know it's been a couple weeks since the last episode, and uh, I'm disappointed in myself for that. I mean, I wish I would have released more, but I'm here with you now, and uh, it's going to be a good episode because I felt to deal with your mind today, and I felt to deal uh, with anxiety, fear, depression, you know, Maybe you're listening to this and you have panic attacks. Maybe the devil's tried to make you feel like things are uh, not going to work out for you. You have a fear of the future, you know, with the change of uh, presidents and the government. And, you know, every day it seems like there's another news headline that's bad news and something bad's going to happen. And, you know, all these sorts of things. I felt to do a podcast about God's covenant of peace. And that's what I want to speak with you about today. And many people, many Christians even, don't understand that they have a covenant of peace, that the Bible, God has given that to the believer, that God has established in his word a covenant of peace. And we've talked about covenants on these podcasts before, but a covenant is more than just a hope. A covenant is a promise. A covenant is when two people come into agreement for an outcome to take place. And God has established a covenant of peace within the Bible. And I want to show you that today and teach for a little bit because you don't have to deal with anxiety and fear and depression and have sleeplessness and, you know, things in your mind that torment you. You know, I see a lot of Christians you know, something that's kind of trending or for some reason has gotten to the body of Christ is this idea of mental health awareness. And we need to have healthy minds and we need to bring awareness to uh, people that have, um, you know, brain issues in, in their mind where they think a certain way and, you know, that it's all medical when really those things are spiritual. And I think it's a tool of the devil and a tactic of the devil to make young Christians think that mental health is something common and that you're going to have mental health issues and that it's actually just a chemical imbalance in your brain and it's neurons firing off that shouldn't be. And, you know, you can take these medications and you'll be fine. And, you know, they try to make it so scientific and I'm sure there's a way to study those sorts of things and they can prove that. But really those things are spiritual That's a spiritual battle that people fight, not a physical battle. And it's not something that can be solved with chemicals or uh, medications. You have to come to the understanding that it's only by the word of God and the peace that comes through a relationship with him that that thing can be dealt with. And so I want you to understand that today. Don't fall into the trap of this humanistic, uh, progressive Christianity that makes you think that everything can be solved by a scientist or a doctor. That's not our instruction from the Word of God. I mean, there are times where our faith can work with uh, doctors and medicines and things like that. I'm not saying don't take medicine if you feel sick. You know, I'm not preaching that kind of thing. But what I am saying is that our first answer to any issue that we deal with in life is the Word of God. God is our first priority when it comes to dealing with those things. And so I don't want you to fall in that same trap, but I hope this episode helps you understand how you can operate and have the covenant of peace that we find in the Bible. And so to begin, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 26, and we're going to read one verse, the third verse of Isaiah 26. But before we do, let me pray for you and pray for this episode right now. 
Father, I thank you for this episode. I thank you for the ability that I have to reach people through technology and through social media and what we're doing today. Father, I pray that if there are people listening to me right now that have anxiety issues and panic attacks and nervous breakdowns and fear and things like this, I pray in the name of Jesus that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would reside upon this podcast and upon my words, that, Father, as I teach people about your peace that comes through the knowledge of your word and the covenant that's found in you, I pray, God, that there would be great testimonies of people that will understand how they can overcome those issues in their mind and never deal with them again. I pray that the peace that you talk about that surpasses all understanding would guard their minds and their hearts in Christ Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray over my friends. Amen. Amen. I want to read to you that verse like I was talking about in Isaiah chapter 26. The Bible says this. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So the first thing I want to deal with is the Bible, yes, has a promise or a covenant of perfect peace, but that promise is conditional. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace, comma, whose mind is stayed on on you. So if you take notes during these episodes, one thing I want you to get into your spirit and I want you to remember always is that the peace of God comes when we have a focus on God himself. You know, obviously we understand I I say this verse a lot, but John 1:1, 1, 1, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so God is his word. Jesus was the word made flesh that dwelt among us. So when the Bible talks about the the mind being stayed on him, in other words, he's saying your mind being stayed upon his word because God is his word. And it's a, it's a, um, a branch of who he is. And so in order to have peace, you have to shift your focus from things of the world, from things the world wants you to worry about and dwell on, whether it be a negative report from a doctor, whether it be a negative report from a news anchor, whether it even be a negative report from a family member, you have to understand that none of those reports can be greater or contradict the word of God, which is the greatest report. You know, that's why the Bible is called I'm not the Bible, the gospel, excuse me, is called the good news. Because good news is that you don't have to deal with the things that people in the world deal with. That's why the Bible goes into further detail in 2 Peter chapter 1, where it talks about how we, being Christians and being saved, we've escaped the corruption of the world because of the blood of Jesus, that no longer are we of the world but we dwell in the world for a period of time, but we've been called out and separated from the world. You know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that he brought us out of the land of Egypt. And so God, when he saves you through the covenant of the blood of Jesus, he brings you out of the world and into a higher way of thinking, a higher way of living. And understand that this issue that we're talking about today is something that begins in your mind. It doesn't begin in your heart because the Bible says you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, not your heart. So your mind is what we need to deal with today. How do you win the battle of your mind? You know, the devil's after your mind and God's after your mind because the mind is a neutral playing field. It's something that can either be swayed in one direction or the other depending upon what you fill that mind that you have with. That's why the Bible talks about taking every thought captive that is contrary to the word of God or any thought that tries to exalt itself above God. You can take those thoughts captive and you can cast them out. And so one thing you need to understand about the authority that you have as a believer is that you can take captive thoughts that are contrary to God's word. And so don't think that these things are genetic. Don't think because that you know your parents take 
you know, anti-medic, anti-mind medication or they take uh, Xanax for their anxiety or it's something genetic that got passed down to you and now you have to deal with it. You know, there's many things that the devil will use to lie to you and convince you that your problem will stay with you forever and there's nothing you can do about it. But the Bible always and God himself always gives us the tool that we need to conquer any obstacle that we have in life. And this also applies. And so when it comes to your mind, the Bible says that you can think about things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are lovely. And the Bible says if there's anything worthy of praise, you can think about these things, not pray about these things, not even speak these things. But the Bible says dwell or think about these things. Why? Because the Bible is giving you resources and advice about how to win the battle of your mind. And so in the first scripture that we have today about this podcast concerning peace is that in order to have perfect peace, your mind must be stayed on God, on the word of God. And that makes all the difference that anytime the devil tries to speak to you a lie or something that's not you know, in agreement with the word of God, you can take that thought captive with the authority that you have in Christ Jesus, and you can cast those thoughts out of your mind so that you can dwell and maintain perfect peace. And so point number one that we found mainly out of Isaiah 26 is shift your focus. Many Christians, I'm not even talking about unsaved people, Many Christians, they dwell on news headlines. You know, their Instagram stories and things they share are more about negative reports from the world than the Word of God. And I understand that, you know, we don't have to be oblivious and ignorant to things that are going on in the world, but it will never be more important than what God has already established. The world changes. The world is always going one direction or the other. One day they like this thing and then they hate this thing. One day, you know, it's politically correct to be a conservative and now it's more politically correct to be a liberal and forward thinking and you know, these kinds of things, but God will always be God. God will never change. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, that Jesus Christ, the word of God, like we talked about earlier, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so for me, and I hope so for you, I choose to spend my energy and my focus and my time, and especially when it concerns my mind, my mind being stayed on the Lord, my mind being filled with the Word of God. That way, when any trouble or problem or obstacle occurs in my life, I'm not taken aback and full of anxiety and fear and worry about the situation, but I understand that by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, by the blood of Jesus that covers my mind and who I am, that I can overcome that thing and have victory every single time. You know, the Bible, there's a great verse in in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 5, the Bible says that he who is he that can overcome? Only the one that has been bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm paraphrasing there. But the Bible talks about in 1 John 5, 5, that the only person that can overcome is the one that comes into relationship with Christ Jesus. And so, guess what? That's you and me. You see, the world would like you to think that they have the victory and that you've lost. And they want to taunt you and make you think that you're the loser, that you should experience shame because you should hang your head in defeat. But no, understand, even if it seems like the enemy's winning in the natural, even if things aren't going the direction that you thought they would go, that you are ultimately always the person that has the victory because you have been bought by the blood of Jesus. That the Bible says in Hebrews that once you were afar, but the blood of Jesus has brought you nigh to God the Father. And so victory ultimately belongs to you and me, the born-again believer. And so when it comes to this issue of the mind, you can be an overcomer when it comes to the realm of your mind. So number one, we talked about shifting your focus in Isaiah chapter 26 in verse three. And now number two, I want to get into righteous living and righteousness. And I want to read to you just one more verse 
in Isaiah actually as well, Isaiah chapter 32, and I want to read to you verse 17, because our second point about this covenant of peace, how to get it, how to maintain it, how to rebuke thoughts that are not of God, we're going to find a verse here in Isaiah 32 and verse 17. The Bible says this, and the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. I want to read that one more time. Isaiah 32, 17. The effect of righteousness will be peace. I mean, that's powerful all on by itself. That's just the first part of the verse. If you're taking notes, I'd write that down in your notes. Maybe you take notes in your phone if you listen to these on your phone. The effect of righteousness will be peace. I can actually pause there. Because think about it, even in the natural, people that have sinful lifestyles have anxiety because sin brings anxiety. Why is that? Because when you sin, you have to hide. You see, that's always a correlation with one another. Sin and hiding. You think of Adam and Eve when they uh, sinned in the garden. And what was the first thing they did? They fashioned clothes for themselves from the leaves and then they hid from God because they knew that there was shame that had been brought upon them because they saw that they were naked. They saw, you know, the state that they were in. And so sin brought anxiety and that anxiety made them hide. But understand, if you're righteous and you're living righteously according to the word of God, then you'll have peace. Because why? Because you have nothing to hide. There's no, you know, hidden um, web browser somewhere where you're sitting behind closed doors and you have fear and anxiety that someday somebody will find out what you've been doing or maybe, you know, maybe you haven't taken it to this degree, but someone that murders somebody and now they have anxiety because they have to hide the body and hide the evidence and hide the murder weapon. And so because of that sin that they committed, there's an anxiety that immediately attaches itself to their life. So, you have maybe have to ask yourself this question today. Do I have anxiety because I have hidden sin in my life? That might be something you're dealing with. I don't know your situation. But understand from the Bible that there's an alternative to that lifestyle that's so much greater and so much worthwhile. And that's righteous living. If you're taking notes, write this down. Righteousness guarantees peace. Righteousness guarantees peace. Why? Again, you have nothing to hide from God. You have nothing to hide from your parents, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your friends. You have nothing to hide because no matter how hard they look, they can see that your life is blameless before God. And so there's a peace that comes with righteous living. And then let's go to the second part of that one verse in Isaiah 32, 17. And the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard the term of when someone's mind gets loud or you know there's a loudness in their mind. What does that mean? It means there's a lot going on. There's panic. There's a rushing. There's a, um, just a worry, and it's loud. It's like you can't even understand what else is going on. Because you're so focused on the problem, your mind has gotten loud. And now you can't even hear the voice of reason because of all the things that are going on, because of that anxiety that's been building up in your mind. But the Bible says, praise God, the Bible says that the result of righteousness is quietness. Quietness. You know, the Bible says, if you live righteously, your mind will be quiet. That's, that's a wonderful promise. I'm sure you've been there where you're praying, you know, you're, you feel good, and there's just a peace that comes. There's just this understanding that you don't have to worry about anything. And that's not something that should just be a phase that you go through and then you're back into the loudness and the craziness and the worry and the anxiety. No, the Bible says you can stay in a place of quietness in your mind, that your mind has been quieted by the peace of God that's guaranteed by the covenant of peace that God wants to give you. And so if your mind is loud, if there's things going on, again, I don't know who's listening to this today, but I felt to make this episode. I don't know 
what situations are going on in your life. I don't know if you're worried about, you know, Joe Biden being president. I don't know if you're worried about, you know, coronavirus and uh, maybe you're in school and you don't know what you're going to do after you graduate high school or, you know, maybe you're in Bible college and you have anxiety and your mind's loud because you're about to graduate Bible college and you have no open doors in the ministry and all the things that God spoke to you, it just seems so impossible because of your present situation. I don't know what specifically is making your mind loud or making things chaotic in your in your mind. But what I can promise you today, because I'm just speaking from to you as a friend today, that you can have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And it comes from reading and developing your word life, understanding that as you get the word of God in your mind, all of those things that are contrary that would try to rest in your mind, they can't rest if as long as the word of God is there. Those two things can't dwell together. You can't mix them up. Either you'll have the peace of God or you'll have anxiety from the world. And so you have to make a decision. And maybe, like I was talking about, you need to find out why you have anxiety. Is it because of a fear of the future? Is it because of a hidden sin? Is it because of the present circumstances of the government in our country? Whatever it is, find out what it is and get rid of it. And as you get rid of it, don't replace it with something else that will make you worried, but replace that worry with the Word of God. And when you replace that worry with the Word of God, there will be a peace that will quiet your mind. And when your mind gets quiet, I'm telling you, you'll never pray more effective prayers than when you pray from the Word of God and your mind's quiet. You'll never be able to hear God's voice more clearly than when your mind has been quieted by the peace of the Holy Spirit. That's the time when God can speak to you concerning your future. Like I was giving the example of someone in Bible school about to graduate. Maybe there's something God wants to speak to you. Maybe there's a a youth pastor at job that's going to open up in a state that you've never been to. And there's a pastor that's going to call you and there's something that's going to happen for you that God's going to open up the door for. And you don't know it yet, but God wants to give it to you. And God's going to give you an instruction in your prayer life and in your prayer time that's going to shift the entire direction of your life. Maybe you're dating someone and you need direction about whether or not they're the person you're going to marry. Or maybe that Maybe you shouldn't have gotten in the relationship at all. I don't know what it is. But sometimes your mind gets so loud that you can't even hear what God wants to say. God is always speaking. God, obviously that we talked about, is the word of God. God is word. God wants to speak. But if your mind is so loud and there's so many voices in your mind that you can't even differentiate what's the voice of God and what's the voice of stress and what's the voice of anxiety then God is going to have a very difficult time trying to get to you the message that he wants to get to you. This could change your life. This is something, like I said, your prayer life will go to a new level if you can get this concept of getting the peace of God. And so number one, we talked about it. Isaiah 26, 3, shift your focus because the Bible says he'll keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. And then number two, righteousness. We talked about how right righteousness can guarantee peace because sin brings anxiety because of you have to hide your sin, but righteousness gives you peace because you have nothing to hide. And then I didn't even have notes for it, but I went into briefly how God can quiet your mind with, your, with his peace. And then when your mind has been quieted, he can speak to you like he hasn't been able to speak to you and then give you direction, give you encouragement, whatever it is that God needs to speak to you, you can finally hear it because your mind has been quieted by his peace. And so I want to go to Matthew 7 and this might be a little bit of a longer episode today because I think this is a very, very important topic. People don't realize how important their mind is. You know, people talk about, you know, their spirit a lot, but really your spirit will always be your spirit. Your spirit, you know, the Bible says is willing. So in other words, your spirit will always want to do the will of God. Your spirit will always want to be uh, in obedience to the word of God and do the right thing and do good. Your spirit wants to do that. 
but your flesh is weak. And so in other words, your flesh will always want to do what the flesh wants. The flesh will always want to sin. The flesh will always want to do things that the Bible says not to do. Your flesh will always want to lie. You know, it's not like you can improve your flesh to the point where your flesh doesn't want to sin anymore. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually teaches that your spirit will always be willing and your flesh will always be weak. And so those things are set in stone. Your spirit will want to do good. Your flesh will want to do evil. And so those things are already done away with. So ultimately, what's the only thing that's left? Your soul, your mind, your will, and your intellect. And so those are the things that you need to focus on. And this might be something that you've never heard before, but it's true. Because if people that focus all on their spirit, they just become weirdos. Because your spirit is your spirit. And so they try to get into all these weird things to increase their spirit. But your spirit, you know, I can't find any other words to say it. Your spirit is a spirit. That's it. You can't upgrade it. You understand? You can upgrade your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. How? Because that's why the Bible talks about your mind so much. And that's why the devil wants to attack your mind first. Why? Because that's where the origin of sin is. The beginning of sin is always a thought. And where do thoughts go? Your mind. And so something you need to focus on is your mind. You know, like, understand the Bible doesn't say in Proverbs to guard your spirit above all else for from it produces the issues of life. No, what does it say? The Bible says above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. So your heart, what is that? Your heart is your emotions, your mind, your will, and your intellect. It's who you really are. You understand? It's, it's the free will that God has given to human beings. That's your heart and your mind. And so those are the things that you need to take authority over. Those are the things that you need to train and develop and get into right order. That those, your mind and your heart are the things that you need to train with the word of God. That's why the Bible says to read the word. Because when you read the word, you put it before your eyes. And then guess what happens? You memorize a scripture verse. Now that verse has gone into your mind and you can think about that scripture. And then as you think about that scripture, that thought goes into your heart and then from hallelujah. And then that word, when it hits your heart, it becomes something called belief. Hallelujah. And then when that belief comes, now that belief goes back to your mouth. And when you speak a word from belief and faith and release it out of your mouth, that word must come to pass in Jesus mighty name. Hallelujah. So it doesn't begin in your spirit. You're the most important part of who you are is actually not your spirit, it's your mind. Because as you develop your mind and you train your mind, now you can understand that your spirit can become the greatest part of you because you've decided the deciding vote. That flesh and sin voted against you, your spirit voted for you, and then with your soul, your mind, and your heart, you put all of those things on the spirit side, on the good side, and now you're an overcomer, and you've conquered your flesh. Praise God. That's how, what the Bible teaches. So people spend so much time trying to develop something that God, you know, in his word has made clear to us is already what it is. You understand? And obviously you can grow, you know, when it comes to the anointing, you can operate in a greater level of the anointing, but that's God, you understand? That's not you. It's not like you're producing your own anointing. That anointing comes from the spirit, you understand? But he gives that to people whose mind are stayed on him. Again, Isaiah 26, it doesn't say you keep him in perfect peace whose spirit is stayed on you. What does it say? It says you keep him in perfect peace whose mind, whose mind is stayed on you, not your spirit. So I'm, I'm probably beating a dead horse at this point, saying the same thing over and over again. But that's vitally important to understand. Your spirit is not the most important part of you. Your mind is. And that's what we're dealing with today. So I, but I want to read to you out of Matthew 7 the words of Christ about this subject, about how to stay in perfect peace and the covenant of peace that comes from the word of God. And so I want to go to Matthew 7, and I'm actually going to read to you three verses 
from Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came. What's that? That's the problems of life. That's obstacles. You know, I'm not talking about a little rain and floods that are going to come to your house. You know, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's giving an example of problems that arise in life. That's what we're dealing with. And the winds blew and they beat against the house. Let me turn the page here. (laughs) And that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And so transitioning to Matthew 7. Jesus is teaching about how to build your life, what to build your life on. And Jesus said, gave the illustration that there was a man that was wise and the wise man built his house on the rock. What does the rock represent? The rock represents the word of God. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, listen, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them shall be like this wise man. You heard that in the beginning? And so... The wise man builds his house on the rock, the word of God. And what happens? The obstacles in life come. So understand from the Bible, the Bible doesn't teach that once your life is built on the word of God, that no obstacles will ever come. That's not what the Bible teaches. It actually teaches that obstacles arise for those that have their house built on the rock and on the sand. But the difference is who can withstand the problem. You understand? So how do you withstand the problems of life? You build that life on the word of God. Praise the Lord. So when those rains and those floods come, you don't move. You don't deal with the same destruction as people that are in the world doing whatever they want. People, you know, like the foolish man who built his house on the sand and they think, oh, they're going to be okay. No. And guess what happens? You know, they hear that the flood's coming and guess what happens? Anxiety happens. They get worried. All of those things that are always following after each other. You understand? When there's sin, there's anxiety. And when there's anxiety, the Bible says the thing that you fear shall come upon you. That's from Job. The Bible says Job, the thing that he feared came upon him. And so there's things that happen spiritually that people don't even understand. And it's always the same tricks that the devil plays. It's fear, it's anxiety, it's worry. And that's why I'm dealing with all these things today on this episode. Because this is the antidote to fear. This is the antidote to worry. This is the antidote to panic attacks and sleeplessness and, you know, anxiety. All these things can be destroyed if you understand what the Bible has to say on the subject about the covenant of peace that God wants you to have. So I want you to be like that wise man. I want you to be somebody that the word of God is in you to the point that no matter how hard the winds are blowing against your house, no matter you know, how hard the rains are falling against your house, there's nothing that's going to move you in a different direction because God, by his word, has given you a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, I, when the Bible says that, that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding, I can put this into like an example maybe that would make sense. But let's say there was a Category 5 hurricane, you know, the worst Category hurricane there is. And it was one hour away from hitting where you lived. And everyone in in your family had evacuated and gone somewhere else. But for some reason, your crazy self is still in that house, you know, watching Netflix or something. And you're just like, totally don't care about this storm that's coming. That's peace (laughs) that surpasses all understanding. And it might seem crazy. And obviously that's a crazy example. Don't actually do that in the natural. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about mental things in your mind. 
That's a peace that would surpass all understanding. Why? Because your family members would think you're out of your mind, you know? So in life, there will be situations that are like that, you know? Oh, you know, we're going to have to get forced vaccinations and every single person's going to have to be forcedly uh, vaccinated and we're going to have to get anally swabbed to uh, be hired for jobs and go to school and go to the grocery store and buy food. You know, all this fear that the world's just pumping into people and this, cr this crazy stuff, you know, it makes me laugh because it's getting to the point where it's just like absurd headlines and things that aren't fake they're real but when other people have really a genuine reason to be afraid of something that's happening you won't be afraid and then they'll say why don't you have fear like I have fear and then you can go into a testimony about your faith in Jesus and say listen man I don't deal with life the way other people deal with life because I have a peace that God gave me that no matter what it looks like, I know he's got me covered. I know ultimately I have a place in heaven and a home in heaven waiting for me. That this world and the present circumstances within the world are not my final home. It's not where I'm going to spend the rest of my eternity. But I have a promise that no matter how bad it gets, God, first of all, will deliver me from my trouble. And second of all, he has gone out ahead of me and like Jesus said, He's prepared a place for me in heaven. And if it weren't true, he would have told us so. That's what Jesus said. So we have peace. You have peace. Don't be like a lot of Christians that are so worried and panicked and they're retweeting every negative news article. You know, I can't tell you how many DMs I get about news headlines and what do you think about this and how should Christians respond to this? You don't have to respond to everything. You understand? Jesus... You know, when Jesus was on the earth, like in his earthly ministry, Israel, you know, his home nation where he was from, he was a Jew, was occupied by Romans and the Romans were persecuting Israel. But Jesus wasn't a political activist. He wasn't Malcolm X. You know, Jesus wasn't some radical political figure that was trying to change the polit politics of his day. Jesus didn't really care about politics. You know, he said... The only thing he ever mentioned was when it came to Julius Caesar, who was, you know, the political leader of Rome, he said, render unto Caesar what's Caesar's and render unto God what's God's. So he separated the church and the state. And that's what Jesus focused on. But now, for some reason, Christians are trying to mix the two and they don't understand that that's not the picture that the Bible wants us to get have, you know. Um, so... When you do that, that's where anxiety has a foothold and an open door in the Christian's mind because you've mixed things that God never told you to mix. It's not your fight. It's not something that you need to be worrying about. You know, like what in the world are you going to do? Are you going to go, you know, someone sent me um, an article about Joe Biden allowing transgender people into the military now that, you know, Trump had a different policy and now Biden changed that policy. And he said that to me. He's like, what do you think? Who cares? I'm not the president of the United States. I'm not the leader of a foreign country that can talk to Joe Biden and be like, hey, man, let's not do that, okay? It's not cool. You know, I don't, you know. <laughs> That's, I'm, not, I'm not a president, so why does it matter to me? Am I, are, you want to get a group together and go to D.C. and picket fence and, you know, what are, what are we going to do? Focus on things that are within your control. The Bible says in Psalms 115, verse 16, the Bible says that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given unto mankind, to men. And so we have been given the responsibility of perfecting and demonstrating Christ-like attributes on the earth while we're here. That's what we're called to do. It doesn't change with the president, whether he's a pro-Israel president or an anti-Israel president, whether he's pro-choice or not, whether he's pro-gay marriage or not, it doesn't matter. Our focus and our goals don't change based on present circumstances. I say all the time, but I don't want, I know, I know a lot of younger people listen to these episodes, and I don't want this upcoming generation that's going to become into places of authority and 
you know, rise in influence and power. I don't want us to repeat the mistakes of our parents' generation where they got so involved in all this political stuff that they allowed the church to fall on its face. And that's what happened in 2020. You know, let's not cut corners and sugarcoat things. That's what happened. A lot of churches fell flat on their face, gave up their authority in Christ, walked into a really passive Christianity to let people just walk over them. And that's not going to be the story of my generation and you and me. If you're, you know, obviously, you know, people that are older also listen to these, so I'm not excluding you. But one thing I feel in my heart is to preach to young people and preach, first of all, the authority of the believer, the authority that you have in Christ Jesus to change your situation, to change your world, to change your generation. We can do this. We can do it through the power of God that resides on the inside of us. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. I'm not concerned about the, you know, what's in the world. I'm concerned about people. I'm concerned about people within the world. But I'm not called to change, you know, president's executive orders and policies. That's not what I'm called to do. It's not what Jesus was called to do. It's not what you're called to do. You're not called. I mean, maybe unless you're called to government office, unless God's anointed you and gave you desire to pursue politics and that kind of thing, then you'll, you do that and you go change it. But I choose to focus on what's within my control as a believer, as a preacher, as a traveling evangelist. I choose to focus on people. And if God has called me to be an evangelist, guess what? My agenda, my goals are to get people saved by the blood of Jesus, get them filled with the Holy Spirit, get them off of fear, get them full of peace and joy and laughter and strength, and, under, and let them know that they have authority to push back the things that have been sent to their life to destroy them. That's my goal. It doesn't change and it never will. And there's a peace that comes with that. You know, people get so scatterbrained because they focus on 17 different things and they do 17 different things poorly instead of doing one thing excellently. But I choose to do one thing excellently and that's to give my life wholly to God and devote my life and my effort and my mind and my heart and my strength to the work of the kingdom and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's important to me. That's what matters to me. What matters to me is that my family goes to heaven. What matters to me is that my friends that are lost, that they go to heaven. What matters to me is that people that I know that are good people and they're lost and they're confused and they're afraid that they hear the life-changing message that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and they give their life to him and he changes their whole life. My goal is to see people that are sick with cancer be healed by Jesus. My goal is to see people that are on drugs and addicted to things that they want to be free from get set free by the Holy Spirit. That's my goal. That's what I'm called to do. I'm not called to be a politician. I'm not called to be a senator. <clears throat> I'm not called to make a comment about every policy and every executive order and fill people's minds with fear and pump anxiety into people. That's not what I'm called to do. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? To preach the gospel. Why are we going into this other junk Preach the gospel of Jesus and watch things change. I'm so tired and I'm getting worked up about it because people in the body of Christ, leaders in the body of Christ, have spent so much resource and energy trying to be Donald Trump Jr. when you're called to be a Christian. You're called to be like Christ, not to be like some half-wit, half-saved guy that doesn't matter anymore. It's time to get back to Jesus. It's time to get back to the message of the cross, deliverance of sin, healing to the sick. That's what the Bible's about. That's what life's about, if you're a believer. People so focused on junk, man. It's ridiculous. Get your mind right. Get peace in your mind. No more fear. If, you're, if you have fear, it has to go in Jesus' name. It has to go by the word of power. It has to leave. No more being plagued by stupid devils. And these things that the devil knows, they're little traps, they're little... You know, things to get you caught up on things that don't matter. 
Stop falling for it. It's ridiculous. If you're not going to become a politician, be a preacher. Charles Spurgeon said, if God called me to be a preacher, why would I stoop down to be a king? People think it's the opposite. They want to be kings and they think they're stooping down to be a preacher of the gospel. That's the exact opposite, my friend. If God called me to be a preacher, why would I stoop to be a king of the world? I could care less. Think of Moses. Moses was in Pharaoh's house. Moses was in the palace of the most powerful nation on the planet at the time, Egypt. And what did the the Bible say? He said he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know what that means? It means Moses refused to be associated with the most powerful nation on the earth in the flesh. And what did it say? He said he would rather be a doorkeeper for God than to be a prince of the world. Where's that today? Where's that? It's the greatest honor and privilege to be talking to you right now. You understand that? I'm not trying to be mean and harsh. I'm letting you know from my heart, this is me speaking passionately, that this is the greatest honor of my life. That if I can help you, if I can help somebody, it's the greatest privilege and honor of my life to help you. And it's not me, it's God using me. And I gave him my life so that he can use me to help you and other people. That's what matters to me. That's what's important. Don't get it mixed up. Don't get it mixed up. Don't think, you know, if we could just, you know, get a godly president in office. Think, no, get the church right. Get preachers right. Get pastors back in power again. Open the churches up. Pray for the sick. Cast out devils. That would make the difference. People always go into alternative sources for stuff that God wants to give you. Probably breaks God's heart, breaks my heart, grieves my heart. If it breaks God's heart, it breaks my heart. Can you imagine a father that has a child and that child is hurt and it needs help? They need help. And instead of going to their parent that would help them and wants to help them, they go to the thing that hurt them in the first place and they get hurt worse. And the father's like behind this, you know, glass window and he can't help his child because his child refuses to come to him. He keeps going back to the thing that's hurting him. That's what Christians do, man. Don't be one of those Christians. I'm not trying to rag on Christians. All I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is there's a reason the church got rolled over last year. There's a reason for it. It's not something that happened randomly. Oh, I don't know why this happened. I, I know why it happened. Decisions that were made by leadership. How it responded. No backbone, no authority in them anymore. It's time to get it back. And if it has to go to the next generation like it did with Joshua, then so be it. But I pray God works on these pastors' hearts. I pray God works on the older generation, these people that are in the leadership now, and it turns around. But if God has to, he'll make a rock worship them. You know the Bible says that? He doesn't need people if people don't want to crop cooperate. People are his first choice. Me and you are his first choice. But if we reject God, God says, fine, I'll go somewhere else. You know, it's like Abram's father. You understand if you actually know that story, Abram's father was the one that got the calling to go to a, a land that he would show him. I think his father's name was Terah off the top of my, of my head. But you can read the Jewish accounts of the full account of, of Terah's story where God actually called Terah first. And then Terah came to a land that had you know good stuff in it. So he settled there and didn't go all the way to where God wanted him to go. And so what happened was because Terah refused the blessing, it passed on to his son Abram. And then God came to Abram and we get that story in Genesis 12. But it happened... Because someone before him rejected it. Someone before him got so far and then quit. So guess what? God didn't say, ah, I guess that's not going to happen now. I guess I'm not going to create a nation because Terah said no. No. God didn't sit around and pout and say, oh, poor Terah. I wanted to use Terah. 
Uh, no. I said, okay. Abram, you're next man up. And if you refuse it, there'll be another after you. And if he refuses it, there'll be another after him. So don't get so prideful that you think you, you know, waiting around doing nothing, God's just going to give you a million years. No. Time is short. Let's go. The master's waiting for the multiplication of the talents he gave. Let's go. Jesus is coming soon. So I say all that to say, if there's pastors and there's leaders that refuse to open the church, God's going to use a Joshua generation. That's what he has to do. You know that wasn't the original intention there either, right? Moses was supposed to see the promised land. Well, he did see it. But Moses was supposed to be in the promised land, partaking of it. That was God's ultimate mission with Moses. But Moses disobeyed God because he struck the rock and didn't speak to it. And because of that, Moses had an anger problem and a pride problem. And so because of that, God had to raise up Joshua to take his place. And then Joshua led them into the promised land when it was Moses' calling to do it. I can give you a lot of stories like that. So let's go. You know, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm saying there's been such a time to wait around and do nothing. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to get for real. There's people dying. People lock the church and left people that needed the gospel to rot out in the cold. Left them to the world. Grieves my heart and it grieves God's heart. But there will be a peace that comes to your mind when you know that the word of God can help you in those situations. I know I've gotten a little off topic about peace, but what I'm really trying to give you is a peace not to do nothing, but a peace to act, a peace to work. I want to go to, what is, it, is that John 9? I want to hear what Jesus says because there's a, a verse I love in John 9 about this. Going totally off topic and off notes, but listen to Jesus here. This is Jesus. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day. For night is coming when no man can work. That's Jesus in John 9 prophesying about how one day there will come a time when you can't preach the gospel anymore. There will come a time when the church is raptured, when the Holy Spirit will be lifted off from the earth. So there won't be any more healing. There won't be any more deliverance. There won't be any more hope for people. We're living in the dispensation of grace right now. What that means is it doesn't mean you can sin and do whatever you want. That's not what that means. The dispensation of grace means it's a period of time for preachers to preach the gospel and get people saved and get them to heaven. That's what the dispensation of grace is. And we're living in it. And it's coming to an end. Jesus is coming soon. So while we have the opportunity, work the works of the one who sent you. For night is coming. There's only so much daylight left. Night's coming when no man can work. The Bible says, Jesus said it, prophesied it, that there's a night coming when no man can work the works anymore. But right now, we're in the final hour of daylight. Maybe the final minutes of the final hour of daylight to work the works. So it's time to go. I don't know what it is that God's called you to do. I don't know your situation. But we're going to be strong. We're going to fight back against all this stuff that the devil's trying to push down our throats and get in our mind to get us in fear. Won't be our story. Won't be something that we deal with like other people do. And then when they see that we don't deal with it like they do, they'll come to us for the answer. And then we'll be ready. You and I will be ready. And we're getting people saved. What are you embarrassed about? You know, people embarrassed to invite their friends to church. You know, you know what's embarrassing? What they do. 
You know what's embarrassing? Watching Netflix for 22 hours straight. That's that's embarrassing. You know, you have the greatest treasure in the world. You don't have anything to be embarrassed about. If anything, you should be excited to understand that you have the greatest thing ever to give to them as a gift. That's how you should think of it. Not embarrassed. Not have your tail you know, tucked between your legs and ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. That's not what you should be doing. Great boldness through great peace. And how are you going to get peace? You control your mind, you control your thoughts, and you replace any negative contrary thought, you cast it out, and you replace it with a word. Let's go to Psalm 119. I think there's a psalm. There's a verse in the Psalms I want to use to drive this home. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is an awesome psalm. It's super long, but it's amazing. Psalm 119, in um, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Hallelujah. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. The word law there also means word. Great peace have those who love your word. Nothing can make them stumble. Thank you, Lord. Great peace, not normal peace. It's like Jesus said, not like the peace that the world gives you. Not like the peace like the world gives you. Hallelujah, great peace. I pray that after listening to this, you'll sleep and you'll have the greatest rest that you've ever had. It's like your mind will just totally wiped free from all the things that are trying to weigh it down. I pray you have that kind of rest after listening to this. Great peace. Have those that love your word or your law. Nothing can make them stumble. That's a powerful verse. Hallelujah. It's like the word that God spoke to Joshua. In Joshua 1. He said, meditate upon my word day and night. Let it never depart from your lips. And then you will have great success in everything that you do. Hallelujah. Meditate upon the word day and night. Allow it to always be on your heart. And allow it to always be on your lips. And then you will have great success in all that you do. Great peace come to those that love your word, and nothing can make them stumble. A peace he will give you, not like the world gives you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for you as we're coming up to an hour. I had more verses, but I want to close while the anointing's strong. So I want to pray for you before we go today. But I want to I'm like, I'm going to seriously pray. I'm not going to do a little 30 second pray to end the podcast. I want to pray for you. Cuz this is I don't want to do these and it's just for no reason. I don't want to do these just to tell you how smart I am and how many verses I can quote and how great my speaking voice is. All those things aren't even true. And I'm not here to be prideful and vain. I'm here because I want you to be victorious. I want you to have peace. I want this to actually be something that helps you in your life, and in your ministry, in your purpose, in your calling. So let's pray together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every thought of fear. I rebuke every thought of anxiety of the future. Father, if there's someone listening to me today, I feel like there is, someone in Bible school, that has fear about what's going to happen after they graduate. Father, I rebuke that fear of the devil. 
I rebuke that tactic of the enemy to make them think that nothing will work out. I rebuke that tactic of the devil to make them think that they're going to have to go home and fall back into things they don't want to and go back to their old life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, that because of them tuning on today and listening to this podcast, that there will come such a peace from your word that they'll never have that anxiety ever again in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that you'd open doors for that person. I pray that it would make them weep in your presence because of the thankfulness that will exceed out of their heart because of the doors that you'll open for them, just like you opened doors for me. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone listening to me today that has anxiety about their health, that maybe they have parents that dealt with health issues or blood problems or cancer or something that is passed down through genetics and they think it will get passed to them, I rebuke the attack in their mind about the health in their body. I pray that you keep them strong and healthy all the days of their life. I thank you that no sickness shall come nigh their camp. I thank you that your blood, the blood of Jesus, shall cover them from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. No virus, no skin cancer, no disease, no problem in their bones, no blindness, no deafness, nothing shall by any means harm them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for all of my listeners right now. I pray for a peace that would surpass all understanding. I rebuke every thought that's contrary to your word. I take it captive right now in the name of Jesus by the Holy Ghost and I retell it to go and to never return. And Father, not only that, but from this podcast, let there be a divine exchange of anxiety, fear, panic attacks, nervous breakdowns, all the attacks in their mind. Replace those negative things with your magnificent, all-powerful, all-working word. I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I love you today. I know I I can come off as like very forward and very brash, but I say these things because they're, they mean a lot to me. They're passionate. They come from a place of the heart. I don't, I'm not saying this because like I said, I want you to see how smart I am and how you know, whatever. I'm not trying to be a Christian Gary Vanderchuk and be a TED talker. I'm trying to under give you the understanding of the life and the power of God's word, the peace of God. I want you to walk in that. I don't want you to deal with what your parents dealt with if they dealt with things like that. I don't want you to feel like you're trapped in sin and that you'll never break hold of its, its chains. I want you to walk in complete freedom, live in power. I want you 10 years down the line to meet me in the airport one day when you're flying to Africa to preach a crusade and I'm flying to South Af- South America to do a crusade and we can meet each other in the airport and you can say, hey, when I was 16, I tuned on to your podcast and you helped me and you really inspired me and gave me the boldness to go to Bible school and now I'm doing crusades in Africa and that, all because of just one word that you receive from this po- I want that to happen. You understand? I want those things. I'm praying for those things to happen. I want that for your life. I care about you. I love you. You've helped me. People that have donated to to my ministry and helped me. I'm not trying to make this a business and make money and then do nothing. I want people to be helped. I want Jesus to be made alive. I want to make him famous. You understand? So if I come off brash and I come off even rude to you sometimes, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. If I hurt your feelings... I apologize. I love you. I want you to do well. I want you to have great success like Joshua in all that you do. And sometimes we just need to hear the truth plainly and spoken in power. And I hope I did that today. And like I mentioned, if you, if you feel led and if it will help you too because of the principle of seed time and harvest, if you feel led to give to this ministry and help me, you can do that by going to my website, PrestonShuttlesworth.com. Uh, I'm getting ready to go to Puerto Rico and I'll be there for a little while. So I probably won't be able to make an episode next week, but we'll be back soon. Um, We got some traveling things coming up and things going on. And so we're just going to get bigger and bigger. We're going to do more for God, reach more people than we ever have before. And it's going to be a great year in Jesus name for you and for me. 
God's got us covered. Have peace today. Know that he's in control. Know that the word of God is all powerful and no word of the devil, no word of the enemy, no word of man can make it any different. Understand that today. And that's all I have for you guys today. So lastly, I just want you to know my catchphrase. I love you. God loves you. And I'm really going to talk to you very, very soon.